Welcome to Changemaker EDU, a podcast that inspires powerful individual and collective transformation by sharing leadership, personal development, and education changemaking ideas and stories to ignite people like you to create the change deep within your soul, embody your calling, and bring your dreams to life. I'm your host, David K. Richards, and I share wisdom from my 25 plus years as an education innovator, school founder and CEO, mindset teacher and leadership coach, while also interviewing other diverse paradigm shifters. Join me in our grassroots movement to create lasting impact, one education change maker at a time. Hey everyone, I'm so excited to re-release today's episode and I wanted to give some commentary and context before you listen. It's a really fascinating one. So first of all, this is an episode I recorded for my previous podcast called A Conscious Way Forward in 2020. So it's over there. It's almost through. It's November of 2020. So it's almost three years old. And I decided to re-release it because... I was reading Dan Coe, D-A-N-K-O-E. And he was really talking about the importance of when you're creating content to share authentically from your deepest truth. And I wholeheartedly, fundamentally agree with him. And I was reflecting throughout the day as I was reading his, I signed up for one of his courses, I was reading about it. And I kept thinking, gosh, I remember when I used to do that, like all the time, I mean, I still do it, but I was like, I remember one episode that I did that was so raw. And so this is that episode. And I just decided I was inspired today to re-release it because it's like, for so many reasons, number one, because Dan was also talking about how you are really reflecting on your own personal growth and development as a content creator. And you're sharing that with the world. And when I reflect on where I was listening to that episode, to where I am now, there's so many epiphanies. And you know, you'll know, you hear a lot of content creators say like, it was cringeworthy to go back and watch my old videos, right? Because when you first start out, I want you to hear that. Because when I hear them saying that, what that tells me is we have to wholeheartedly, fundamentally, I'm using the same words here, really embrace the growth mindset and do it and go one step at a time and try it out and just embrace the failure fail fast, as they say, and keep tweaking, keep fixing it. So a couple things about this episode, just in terms of some of the distractions. So you're going to hear some auditory distractions. So I actually was on a walk and I was practicing because my friend Greg had invited me to come to a leadership talk with a large group of people. And I have been afraid of public speaking for most of my life until recently. So even just three years ago, one of the things that you're like, wow, when you see yourself grow, isn't it fun? When you can go back and read an old journal entry or something that shows you, it's like, wow, I'm not that worried about public speaking anymore. It's like, wow, that was a good reminder. But I was so nervous that I went on a walk and I recorded a voice memo. But because that voice memo was just for me, it's highly authentic and straight from my heart. So I talk about my past abuse and my abandonment and some real difficult parts of my childhood which is also really cool because today that does not affect me in the same way. The energy is not stuck in my body. So I can say it to you right now with a different tone in my voice. So I'm listening to that previous episode. I could feel my voice was shaking and it was like, literally I was releasing and, you know, and every time 
I do a podcast episode, like right now, my throat gets a little bit like that. And I think it's because as we express ourselves out loud, as we use our throat chakra and our voice to express, at least for me, and I think for many of us, there's a reason why public speaking is like one of the biggest fears ever is because we're scared to express. And there's something that's been pushed down about our own self-expression. So every time I'm about to record, I'm always like, <clears throat> so in this episode, you're going to hear like cars, at one point you hear some birds and it's, you're going to hear me breathing heavily. So there's like a lot of auditory distractions that I apologize in advance for, but the message is so powerful and it's so raw that I wanted you to hear it. So please forgive me for any of the ahs and ums and, <clears throat> um and all that stuff. And I'm sharing it very vulnerably again, because honestly, I don't really want you to hear it. I don't want you to hear the, the style or the presentation. Like, I feel like I'm a much better podcast speaker now. I hope you agree than I was then, but I want you to hear it because of message. So I really want you to hear the message and the form. I'm just going to let go. So I'm letting it go as we talk here. <laughs> the other thing I really wanted to highlight in this episode is that I'm so different than I was three years ago, like I said. And in that episode, I really I was speaking so clear from my heart. There wasn't a lot of the distraction of the limitations of the mind. I did another one when I came home from a silent retreat. And I listened to that one today too. And it was a similar thing. I did it in my car. And there wasn't a lot of the like limitations and the talking you out of it and all that that happens when you when you connect with your heart and your soul. And then when you start to say it out loud or talk to people, it's like, the questioning starts and the judging that wasn't really happening in this episode because I was just saying it out loud for myself. And, but what I said in there, which I loved is that the simplicity of following your intuition and the flow of life will change your life. And I totally agree with that. And what's really, really cool for all of us that are trying new habits and trying to build new practices and more and build neuro pathways in our brain to change our habits. I was practicing at that time, some of these things like, trusting my heart, trusting my intuition, following the flow of life and speaking up and, you know, checking in with my feelings, all these things I've been practicing so deeply for several years now. And I can now see that those were things that I was on the front of my consciousness. Like I was really practicing them and now they become deeply in, ingrained and internalized beliefs in my body. And I could feel the difference. And so I think that's really powerful. And for some of you that have listened to me for a while, I'll, I'll, I'll be curious to see if you agree with that. I also shared that whenever you're building something, do it one moment at a time, which I think is great advice to my old self or my old self to me <laughs> and to y'all. And then finally, I wanted to just share that I really talk about this new paradigm and I'm really starting to feel this come through really clearly again, which is COVID was a big shakeup. And I think especially for the education space, but for the whole world, we really need all of you to help us build this new paradigm and to really believe in yourself and to start to see this new world that we're inhabiting. Because I think we've kind of gone back. We're still dealing with so much PTSD from the pandemic. And at the same time, we're almost going back to our safe, secure ways, right? And so I want you to feel a little bit of that shakeup that was really difficult and we're working through it still. And it's kind of part of our collective PTSD and the shakeup of the, the positive side of that shakeup where you felt like you wanted to do something differently, or maybe you saw things differently because the world was changing so drastically and rapidly. All right. I hope you enjoy this episode and let me know how you feel about it because it's kind of a risk for me to put it out because the quality is not great, but I hope you trust 
my decision and you appreciate it. All right, take care, everyone. I want to first by saying, start by saying that I'm nervous right now. And the story I want to share with you today is that life presents you with basically two ways to live. There's a way to live through the false self, and there's a way to live through your highest self or your authentic self. What I've learned through my journey is that when you can tap into the most authentic version of yourself, that there's harmony and magic and happiness all around. So as I was coming to think about what I was going to say today, I watched the ego, the thoughts, the scared part of me want to take me down with swords. You don't deserve to be there. What? You don't even know these people. <laughs> They're going to judge you. They're going to shame you. They're going to question you. They're going to see something within you that they don't like and then project it onto, you know, all these things. And then I knew in that moment that I had a choice to agree with those thoughts or to go back to my authentic self. And that's the way I've decided to live my life and what I want to talk to you about today. So I decided to go back to the pure essence, the authenticity of who I really am, and be free. And so I know when I talk to you today, all of those things that I was worried about could actually happen. But because I have harmony within, and because I'm in a place of presence and love for myself, that that's okay. <laughs> so I'm going to start by talking about when I was eight years old, my parents, my, my, both of my parents left our house. My dad left for a younger woman. My mother had a nervous breakdown. Shortly thereafter, I was molested by a teenage boy across the street. And that was a moment in my life when I started to get so paralyzed by fear, that little eight-year-old boy, that I started to grasp onto the protection and the fear instead of the freedom. Again, the authentic self versus the, the, the false self versus the free self, the authentic self, the highest self. And I went through my life trying to convince people that I wasn't that small child, that scared child that was abandoned and abused. So I was going to will my way to success. I was going to prove all the naysayers that I could beat everybody. I could achieve. I could do so many things that anyone who disagreed, anyone who didn't believe in me, that teenage boy that took advantage of me, the parents that left me would know that I was worthy. <laughs> and so my whole life from eight to about 40, 32 years was living in that through the false side. Not all the time, but most of the time. So I took myself through community college and I was determined to go to the best school. I transferred to UC Berkeley, as you know, one of the best public schools in the country. Graduated from college and 
December of 1999 and realized that there were no jobs. I was in the Bay Area. I was in the San Francisco Bay Area, and I was watching the local news, you know. A <laughs> hundred companies closed today, 104 closed today. In the month of December, you know, a hundred companies have closed. In the first week of, in month, first week of January, a hundred companies have closed. Okay, so all those resumes I was sending out, they were closing. So I started going into fear. And I studied history because I wanted to be a teacher, but I didn't, that wasn't status driven. That wasn't going to prove all the people that I was worthy. That was too, that was too low level. So I proceeded to go through my twenties trying to achieve and win and outdo everybody and ended up going to Washington DC when I was about mid twenties was had all my law school applications ready to go. I was going to go to Georgetown, George Washington, one of the best law schools and had a great GPA. The whole package was beautiful. Bombed the LSAT. <laughs> so as you go through your life, the universe will provide signs to you that you're operating from the false self and false self, and it'll keep reminding you to try and get back over to your authenticity. So at that moment, I listened and I said, I'm not going to law school. And then I proceeded to try and build a political career in Washington, DC. And if you've ever worked there or heard of, you know, if you've ever worked there, you know that in order to get a job in Washington, DC, you need to know about 50 people. And my dad wasn't a congressman. <laughs> So my uncle wasn't the chief of staff. So I basically did free internships, waited tables, and realized that life was could be really hard when you're living in the fall self. And there was one day when I got over to that authenticity, to that divinity within, and then I decided... I just needed a job and maybe it wouldn't be in politics. I found a great job in a bank. I was on the management track. I was two blocks from the White House. And this was supposedly the dream. I was 27, 28 to 29 in the late 20s. This was the dream. This is the dream coming true. <laughs> I would be getting paid well in the first month. The director of my department already said, I want you to be my right hand man. And within, you know, a year, I'm going to teach you everything I know. I want you to run another department. Okay, this is this is heaven on earth, right? But as I went through that experience, I noticed that I wasn't happy. And I started asking people, what, what do you love about your job at this bank, at this beautiful corporate bank, two blocks from the White House, right? They're making a lot of money. And, well, I studied philosophy, studied computer science, and then I just I wasn't sure if that's what I, exactly what I could do with that degree or if that's the job I wanted. So I ended up here. And 25 years later, and now I'm, you know, the director, the executive vice president, and I'm doing pretty well. Do you love your job? No. But I know I'm going to retire soon, and I love the fact that it's 9 to 5, and so you get the story, right? So at that point, one day, I was feeling really depressed. I was feeling really sad, and I literally walked out of the bank at 501, <laughs> because I never stayed past 5, and I felt this heaviness, this depression coming over me. And something told me to go into the borders down the street. Remember those? So I went into the borders. Something told me to go down that direction and went to find, I just went to the, the bookshop and found a book called Finding Your Own North Star by Martha Beck, who's a life coach. And it, it basically said, 
what's your North Star? What's within you that's guiding you to your purpose and your highest place? So that you just love every second of every day you want to be doing. And I sat down on the floor, and I think it closed at 10 or 11 p.m., and I read the whole 300-page book, cover to cover, word for word, in five hours. I didn't even move from that spot, didn't eat dinner, didn't have a drink of water. It was like something, it was an out-of-body experience. So here I am, my late 20s, thinking that I've arrived. I've done the formula the way you're supposed to. I've gotten the college degree, bootstrapped myself, supported myself, did it all on my own. Ended up in Washington, D.C., the locus of power. Had a job where the president had a bank account. And something told me, this is not your life. And if you don't get out now, you're going to be 50 like these guys, and you're going to be saying that you love the weekends. And that's not how I want to live my life. So in that moment, something came over me so powerfully that I decided to follow the truth, and that's because I tapped into the authentic self again. I got back to that, the beauty of the authenticity and the, the divinity within me. And I ended up getting real absolute clarity that I wanted to be a teacher, I quit my job at the bank, or I planned to quit my job at the bank. I applied to grad school. I got into Stanford University, which had a teaching credential and a, and a master's in educational leadership. So I got myself back to California where my heart was. I got myself into education, completely different world from anything I had ever experienced. And I was pushing 30 when I graduated. And I ended up going into Oakland Public Schools, which is a very big dysfunctional urban school district. And I fell in love with the kids. I fell in love with teaching. And I thought, oh God, this is it. This is what I've always wanted to do. But every single person told me it was the worst decision I'd ever made. You're on the path to be an executive at one of the best banks in the nation's capital. And you're going to go work with teenagers? You must be a glutton for punishment. That's what I heard over and over and over. What's wrong with you? So my family, my friends, everyone at the bank was all judging me. <laughs> and I just knew there was a voice within me that was more powerful than all of that. I knew that it was my authentic self, not the false self. Went into education and, you know, when you get yourself aligned with your path and you follow that authentic version of yourself, the universe delivers. I found, after Oakland, I worked there for a bit, I found a beautiful, great school that was grassroots, trying to reform education. In nine years, I went from teacher, principal, executive director to superintendent, to assistant superintendent. Here I am, late 30s. I've made it again. Our organization I grew up with was nationally ranked as the top 10, one of the top 10 high schools in California, the top 50 best high schools in the country by U.S. News and by Newsweek and U.S. News and World Report. We had Silicon Valley philanthropists starting to write us checks left and right after about five years. So I went on and opened schools. I trained people. And here I am at 39 years old. Here we are again. <laughs> not with the kids anymore. Not teaching in the community. Not doing what I love. But following the status. So being as executive of a nationally ranked charter organization where, no joke, Mark Zuckerberg gave $100 million when I left five years ago. So we had, I had Tech Titans phone numbers on speed dial. 
But once again, <laughs> I was living in the false self, the status. I was trying to appease that eight-year-old boy. I was trying to prove to everyone that that little scared boy inside me was bigger by external achievements and awards. And hiking with my family, I currently have a seven and nine-year-old. My son at the time was three. We went hiking in Lake Tahoe. My son fell asleep right when we started hiking. So I was like, okay, I'll pick him up. I'll sit on this rock and I'll sit with him, which is very bizarre. He never fell asleep at that time, usually. And I'm sitting there, literally overlooking the beauty of Lake Tahoe with my three-year-old son on my chest, <laughs> breath to, you know, heart to heart, literally. And I'm holding him, I'm cradling him. I just tapped into something bigger than me. I got a little whisper and said, start your own school for your kids. Build a leadership institute. That was six years ago. Maybe seven. So that was seven years ago. Eight years ago. So I decided that moment, once again, I decided that I would leave this current job. Now, let's be really clear. I was in line to succeed the CEO. She sat me down and she said, in five years, you're going to take over this organization. And I'm going to build a different organization, which she did. She currently, my replacement, became the CEO five years later. So I was on the path to, he, to reach the highest status, to make tons of money, to be in the newspapers, to be in the national reports. This organization was named as one of the most innovative companies by Fast Company. Not even schools, just companies. We were so innovative. We were so cutting edge. It's a beautiful, wonderful place to work. But my soul said, you're not supposed to be there anymore. So I did what's called the quantum leap. I surrendered to something bigger than me, and I jumped off the cliff. So I did a thoughtful succession plan, and it was nine months, and it probably could have been about three, and I transitioned myself out of there and ended up going to start my own school <laughs> for my kids. So I went from speaking to Mark Zuckerberg's assistant and to his wife and to himself at times to literally sitting in a Starbucks with a low-income mother who just wanted the best school for their, her children. And I had to sit there for not have you, but I sat there for three hours to convince her that I don't have a building, I have a teacher, but I have a vision and I believe in children. And so I want to make this happen. So that was a beautiful experience. I opened the school. It's a K-8 charter school here in California, Northern California, Sacramento. And it's a beautiful school. My kids attend there. And, um, you know, but as I was opening that school, I was willing everything. I was efforting, efforting. Okay. Again, I was trying to achieve so much. It's like, okay, I just left an organization that was so prestigious, so many awards and accolades on the, you know, external validation that I have to do that. I have to do it. I have to create my own version of that because I want to be the head coach. I don't want to be the assistant. I don't want to be under this what I used to call like Steve Jobs cousin, super visionary, super crazy work. <laughs> it's like, I can't be under her anymore. I need to go do my own thing. And, but I was still willing, willing, willing. And I was still trying to make, create, still trying to get that eight-year-old to feel seen and heard and loved by external achievement. And when I turned 40, I started seeing the world differently. I started seeing that the external achievement never get you to your authentic self. 
It will only get you to your false self. And every time you achieve something, you'll wish you had achieved something more. I read this article the other day about they interviewed someone with $10 million, someone with a million dollars, someone with 10 million and a hundred. The million dollar person said, I want 10 million. The $10 million said, I want a hundred million. The hundred million dollar person said, I want a hundred million private jet, private yacht and access to the most powerful people in the world. So when do you ever stop? When you're going for external validation to fill a hole for something within you, you're never going to have enough. I remember watching Elton John movie and he's sitting with billions of dollars in a mansion, snorting Coke, drinking like crazy because his lover didn't like him and crying in the middle of the, of his mansion is everything you can ever imagine in the external world. But he's not happy because his parents didn't really love him. Never was able to get over that until he went to rehab. And so I'm here to tell you today that there's two ways to live your life. You can live your life always trying to achieve something on the outside, or you can live your life from a place of harmony within. So I opened the school. Like I said, I turned 40. This is when I meet Greg around the time. I'm taking a parenting course, which ends up really being a course about how you come home to the freest version of yourself. And I did that course for a year, and within three months, I had paralysis of the face. My back was thrown out. I had, like, every part of my body was falling apart. Because when you're starting to wake up to something bigger than the limited view of the false self, your nervous system your body falls apart. That's its job. It doesn't know what to do. It's been running on this false self for so long that it's scared to death. So I just kept going deeper, I kept going deeper, I kept going deeper, and I kept doing the work on myself. I did therapy, I did healing, I did hypnotherapy, I did courses on inner child. I just kept, I started meditating daily. I've been meditating daily now for three years, every day. I did silent retreats. I just did the work on myself. And I got to the point where, oh, and then COVID. <laughs> then COVID hit. And I was trying to figure out what I was going to do next. And I knew I, I knew I wanted to do something bigger and that would really serve humanity with the school system. And COVID hit, and all of a sudden, the the plug that was just it was like there was a plug sitting next to the wall, and it was just this huge plug, like like to, to plug an electric to, to to charge an electric car, let's say. And it was like, I closed the school, my kids were at home, and I just plugged in this plug. And it was like, like literally in my meditation, I was jumping out of my chair because something was coming through me. It was like this part of me that had been dormant and repressed and covered up for so long. It's just like, I want to come out and I want to be free because this is how life can be when you live free. It can be beautiful. So at that moment, I met someone that I knew through the course, and she came into my life. She's now become my best friend. And she said, we just started doing the boxer, you know, the walkie-talkie app, where you can communicate verbally without having to talk on the phone, because we didn't even know each other. We just started boxering. She started saying to me, trust every intuitive message you get. Like, if you get a sign or a symbol or a whisper, just do it, just do it, just do it. So in 30 days, this business that I've been wanting to create for three months, 
three years, about two or three years, as the school was building, I was thinking about the next, right, the next thing. <laughs> I basically, she said, oh, you want to get together a group of people and you want to start reforming schools? Okay, and you want to build a leadership institute? Okay, great. So what, what's, what's, your, what's the present moment telling you to do right now? And I said, oh, it's telling me to post on Facebook and try and gather maybe 10 people to build a group. Okay, do that. 24 hours, 100 people. 100 people. We're here, we're ready. COVID's crazy. We want to do the work. We want to be leaders. We want to change humanity. We want to change, you know, we want to try and fix some of these problems around us. And then she said, okay, what, what's going on now? I said, I don't know. I feel like I want to start a podcast. She said, great. What, what's your intuition telling you? Okay, the intuition is saying just start interviewing people on Facebook Live. I've seen people do that. Great. I spent a year with a podcast coach, and it took me a whole year to get the official podcast launched, which I'd love for you to check out, by the way. And she said, just start just interviewing people. Oh, yeah, great. Okay. See, because the mind complicates things. But you're, when you're in the authentic, freest version of yourself, there's answers everywhere. There's messages, there's answers, there's things to do, do this, do that. And you just got to sit back and wait for the message. So there we are. <clears throat> what, eight, nine months into COVID? This closes school on Friday, March 13th, so we're about eight months in. In these eight months, I have taken all the lessons I've learned throughout my whole entire life. And I've started to commit to live in the freest, most authentic version of myself. So when the crazy stories come in, like these people are going to judge me, why do I deserve to be speaking to them? Who am I? I know that's the eight-year-old within me that wants to be seen and heard. I know that going outside to prove to everyone else that he is loved and that he's worthy will not actually achieve anything. So I go within, and I tell that eight-year-old, I tell that part of me that doesn't feel whole, that I love you. And I think about how it would look my own nine-year-old and seven-year-old children in the eye when they came to me and said, somebody thinks I'm ugly. Somebody thinks I'm unworthy. I'd look them in the eye and I'd say, Nobody holds the key to your worthiness. It's all within you. Nobody holds the key to your worthiness. It's all within you. So as you go through your life, my nine-year-old son, my seven-year-old daughter, know that when you're trying to achieve something on the outside to prove your worth or to prove love to somebody, to be something you're not, and I remember John Wooden, who was my favorite basketball coach. I read all of his books. And he always said, be true to yourself. Be true to yourself. That's it. Be true to yourself. So I would look my children in the eyes. I'm telling you right now. Be true to yourself. And the true self, the authentic self, knows the truth. I knew that I was not supposed to be at that thing. I knew but I wasn't supposed to be working in that organization in Silicon Valley. I knew that after launching my school, I had a more a deeper, profound mission. And so here I am, running hard of the matter, and I'm building it one moment at a time. And this kind of these kind of opportunities are coming to me all the time without me willing or efforting them to come. I'm meeting all the right people at the exact right moment. And I know that whatever I need in each moment, as long as I'm following the authentic truth 
that it'll be delivered to me precisely and seamlessly. And that's how I live my life now. And it is the most beautiful during the, a global pandemic. I'm the happiest I've ever been. And, and so what I want you to hear is with 2020, the formulas are no longer going to work. Okay, that's what got us into this mess. The same old, same old, same old face, same old place. It's got to be different. So if you have an idea that you're excited about, that brings the fire in your belly and the passion, I want you to pursue it. I don't care if it's making one phone call or if it's reaching out to one friend or if it's posting one thing on social media or if it's writing in your journal, whatever it is. I want you to pursue it one moment, one step at a time. And believe in yourself and know that all of your worthiness is within and let the guidance tell you where to go in each present moment. And I guarantee you, if you're willing to do the work, your life will never be the same. Thank you for listening to the Changemaker EDU podcast. Every guest and listener is a valued part of this co-creation. We're honored that you listen and we hope that this helped you in some small or big way today. This is a community and a movement. And without you, it wouldn't be possible. If you want to learn more about me, go to davidkrichards.com. And as always, if you're so moved, please rate and review the podcast. And finally, our greatest compliment is when you share an episode with someone who you believe will benefit from the message. Sending you immense love and courage today. Thank you.